You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, once again, everybody, welcome to this latest edition of Gun Up One, the podcast. It is brought to you by Patterson Square Garden. I'm Derek Gunn. We are a little bit more than a week away from the 2021 NFL Draft, and there's a lot of concern about the Philadelphia Eagles organization. So for this particular podcast, I said, I got to bring in somebody who pulls no punches. Somebody I've known more than two decades. Somebody who, by the way, is actually celebrating an anniversary this week, he is the one, the only, Ike Reese from 94 WIP. Ike, how you doing, my brother? D-Gun, what's up, man? I'm hey, so I'm happy to hear from you. I haven't heard from you since last August. I don't know if you remember me or not, man. <laughs> well, listen, you, with, with this thing called social media, I can keep track of you wherever you are, man, and what you're doing. So you're out there doing wonderful things, and you're in a new phase in your life. And um, you're going to be great at it like you've always been great at everything you do, my man. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. And, and oh, by the way, happy anniversary to you. <laughs> 23 years ago this week, you were drafted in the fifth round by the Philadelphia Eagles. I've known you since 1998, man. Yeah. Does this, does, where does the time go? 23 years, man. Where's the time go? Both you and I, we look a whole lot different now than we did back then. <laughs> yeah. Hey, here's the funny thing. Now, yeah. don't take any offense. I'm a little smaller than I was, and you're a little bit bigger than you were. That's was not true. Then. That is not true. <laughs> <laughs> that is so not true. Hey, you know what? And, and we both we both used to have four heads. Now we have five heads. <laughs> there you go. You know what, though, D-Gun? What? They say it's, it's a um, 
especially in these times. Yes. It's a beautiful thing to age gracefully, brother. So You're it's right. beautiful that we're both still here 23 years later. And uh, man, listen, you know, you've been a mentor of mine for years, a big brother. I appreciate everything you. Else. So um, um, I think back and uh, I don't know where the time has gone. I do. I do realize this, that um, I met a lot of wonderful people along the way. And so uh, being in this phase in my life, um, I think back on those 23 years of being, I've, check this out, Dion. Yeah. I, I, I've never been anywhere living-wise as long as I've lived in this area. Really? Yes. Wow. Yes. I mean, I moved back to Cincinnati when I was five years old, born in North Carolina. Yep. Then I left to go to Michigan State. Uh, I was five years there. And then since then, I, I've never lived back at home. So I've, I've been here in the Philadelphia area, despite the two years that I was in Atlanta. I, I've been here most of my life. Man, so I, I saw some video posted of you from your playing days. Are you in a huddle? You know, you're getting people pumped up. Uh, they had you mic'd up, I guess. And I said, first thing I said was, wait a minute. I keep having an afro. Wow. <laughs> Now, now gravity has taken its toll on yeah, both of us. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if it would, would qualify as a full blown afro. It was like it was like a mini fro. It was like one of those mini fros. Like, like, like I just wanted to show that I could grow hair back then. That's all. I just wanted to show that I could grow hair. That's all. All right. Before we get to the matter at hand, let's continue this trip down memory lane. So, okay. And I know you've talked about this before, but. Did you did you think you were going to go in the fifth round, and did you think you would be drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles? Where did you where did you basically hear you were pro projected to go in a draft? Anywhere from three to five. Okay. Anywhere from three to five. So, okay. like like most prospects, you're, you're hoping for the best. So I'm I'm thinking, and you know, back then it was only a two day event, so you had the yep. first three rounds Saturday, and then you had rounds four through seven on Sunday. So I'm thinking, you know, I'll probably go somewhere in that third round. And um, it didn't happen for me. Uh, it was a little disappointing. I, I did the whole, you know, have the family over and, oh, yeah. and, and have the celebration, even though I was advised that probably shouldn't do that. Um, <laughs> um, I, I, you know what though, I, I couldn't, I couldn't help myself and I couldn't stop my mother and, and the rest of my family from celebrating uh, what was going to be a wonderful time, whether I went uh, Saturday or Sunday, as long as I got drafted, I was going to be happy. And, and, and thankfully, uh, I did get drafted uh, in the fifth round. To answer your question as to whether or not I thought it would be Philadelphia, I knew they were in the mix. Uh, Philadelphia was one of the uh, teams that interviewed me uh, at the Combine. Uh, I, I still remember Emmett Thomas, bringing me into the meeting room and um, Ray and um, John Harbaugh and all those guys were, were there in the meeting room and um, <laughs> they wanted to know, uh, could I play linebacker, right? So at 200, 215, 220 pounds, they were still trying to decide, is he a linebacker or a safety? So, and, and the funny thing was they had took Willie T uh, not them, but the Eagles had drafted Willie T. He was a safety out of Texas A&M that they made into a linebacker. But we were both the same size. I just happened to play linebacker in college, and they thought 
they didn't know if I would be able to hold up uh, at the NFL level. So I, I just told them it didn't matter to me where they played me at. I was taught at Michigan State, see the football, go get the football. So it, it didn't matter. I, I played DN, I played safety, I played linebacker. I just, I just knew how to chase the football down. And so um, they must have liked that about me. Um, but I actually thought, I actually thought it would be Pittsburgh. I actually thought it would be Pittsburgh. Because because of the uh, the four linebackers, three, four defense. And and in my mind, I'm thinking that's Pittsburgh. I mean, that's that's a linebacker. That's a place for a linebacker to go. So for me, it was either Pittsburgh, Tampa, because Tampa had Derrick Brooks. So I'm trying to look at teams that had linebackers that were similar to my build. And, and that's why the Eagles were on the list because of Willie T. So um, they were certainly in, in the mix. And, and because my uh, former coach had got hired there as the tight end coach, um, I knew there was some interest there. I knew there was some interest there. You know, so when you look back at your nine-year NFL career, give me the one fondest memory that you have that sticks out to you. Um, man, that D gun, that's a lot of memories, man. Um, <laughs> well, I guess for the kid in me, and, and that's what we're playing a kid's game. Right. And, you know, the, the, the seeds of, of being a professional athlete is, is planted in you as a kid and your love of the game and who you're a fan of. So for me, it would have been probably man probably the moment I was on the field with Dan Marino okay and, and I think that happened in 1999 but in in only because I was such a huge fan and I still am a huge fan of Dan Marino it's my favorite football player ever it's my favorite quarterback ever yep. Barry Sanders is second um and in 98 so Barry I was on the field um as a captain prior to the game, Ray Rosen made me a captain in that game because he knew the game would be shown back in Michigan and Detroit. And obviously I just got drafted out of Michigan State. So that was like a favor he did for me. And I got to play. I was in the game plan. And so I got a chance to actually be out there on the field uh, with Barry Sanders. And <laughs> I, I can remember before the snap, <laughs> I'm looking across the line of scrimmage, like, damn, that's Barry Sanders over there. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> part of me is saying, don't give him the ball, please, because I don't want to have to tackle him. <laughs> then part of me is saying, what are you going to do if he does get the ball and don't get embarrassed? <laughs> and so the best thing happened for me, it was a pass play and he had to pick me up in protection, and I actually defeated the block, and I got in on the tackle on Charlie Batch. He gained one yard. It was almost a sack, but he gained one yard, and so that's 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 like that's like that's like a little feather in my cap um, as a young player. And I had so many of those in those first two two or three years. D Gun. Yeah. My first game was against Seattle. 
Warren Moon, seeing Warren Moon out there on the field, mm. um, seeing Jerry, playing as Jerry Rice, John Elway, uh, the triplets in Dallas with Emmett, Michael, Troy, Deion Sanders. So it, even though as a young player, it's still a surreal feeling yeah. being out there on the field with people that you have been watching play since you were, you know, 11, 12 years old, eight, nine years old, since as long as I can remember. Mm. And um, it takes a little while to get over that uh, mm. as a young player and, and realize that <laughs> realize that you better start playing because <laughs> <laughs> it's the only way you're going to be able to pay the bills, buddy. You ain't going to get to stay out here on scholarship. <laughs> hey, hey, going back to what you said a moment ago, you said you got in on the tackle on Barry Sanders. Now, did you actually get in on making the tackle or did you dive in on the pile after the tackle was made? I probably dove in on the tackle after, after it was made. Yeah, listen, I just wanted to make sure I got in the picture, in the frame, right? Just to say that I, I, I got in on a play with Barry Sanders, man. I, I will say this. One of the most vivid memories I have of Ike Reese and getting to know Ike Reese, and I can't remember which playoff game it was. I'm assuming it was the Tampa Bay game. But after that game, as you always did each and every week, you would come on our post-game show for Comcast Sports Network outside the locker room. And that particular game, people just, I believe it was the Tampa game because everybody and their mother just knew Tampa was not coming to Philadelphia in cold weather to win that game. Yeah. And they shocked the world. And you came out on post-game and you had tears streaming down your face. And that's another one of the confirmations that I've always said. People think these guys just play the game for money, but there's a passion that goes way beyond the money. And that's the one time I saw the true passion and emotion of Ike Reese. Yeah, man. And <laughs> it was probably worse in the locker room. And I tried to pull myself together coming out there and knowing I probably was going to get a chance to talk to you. But yeah, I mean, listen, both of those championship games, you know, the one against Carolina hurt just yes. as bad. So, so both of those games, man, um, you, you, you know why they hurt D-Gun? And obviously we care. And I play with my emotions on my sleeve. So, you know, it, did, it, didn't, um, it didn't bother me to show that emotion because that's just what you were going to get from me as a player. But there were, there, there were others that felt the same way and had that same emotion, man, because we were, we were a group, D-Gun. You knew. I mean, listen, you were close to us. We... We were a group that actually cared about each other. That was a close-knit group of uh, players um, that really began to form prior to me getting here, you know, with 95, 96, 97, when Troy came, when Bobby was drafted, when Deuce was drafted, when all those guys, when Dolph was drafted, you know, then guys like myself and Trot and Trey, Hugh were brought here all in the same draft. And then we added guys like Lito, Sheldon, B. West, all the other guys, John Runyon, so many other guys, Brandon, Corey, uh, Todd Pinkston, uh, Chad Lewis, so many of us. Obviously, Donovan, Big Five, you know you can't leave him out. We, we, we just all, we, we were all, and we, because we built that thing up from nothing to one of the perennial powerhouses, 
it was the only thing that was missing. And man, we worked our asses off, man. I mean, you know how those training camps were. You know how Andy was in training camp, man. We put in the work to win those games. And that's how we were able to sustain that level of success for five years. But man, when we couldn't get over the hump at the end, it was deflating. It when it, It's the one regret I have was that as good as we were, we, we never, we were never at our best when our best was required the most. And that's actually, I, I, I could have, like, you know, why the, you know why the Rams game doesn't hurt as much? Obviously, we were there unexpectedly, so we exceeded expectations. But that was a game that we just came up short in. Like, we, we, we played our asses off against that team in their building when no one gave us a chance, and we were shorthanded. And we still had a chance to win that game on the final drive. In the two games that we lost against Tampa and Carolina, that, that wasn't our best, man. That, that We were better than those teams, man. And, and they didn't have to play at their best to beat us. Like, they didn't have to play at their best to beat us. And, 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 and that's what hurts the most, man. It was like, dude, we were a much better team. And if we had, a, if we could have just, if we could have put it together on those championship Sundays like we did against the Falcons, we would have won a Super Bowl because we would have had multiple cracks at it instead of just the one chance that we finally got against New England. And even then, we weren't a hundred percent. We didn't have Chad Lewis in that game. We know what To wasn't a hundred percent, and we didn't play our best. So, and that was still a three point game. But, but those championship games hurt because we didn't play at our best in those games. And, and when you're not at your best, it's hard to accept losing because you know you didn't put forth your best effort. You realize that core group of players you just mentioned from the late 90s into the early 2000s, I mean the Bobbies, the Troys, yourself, Corey Simon, Trey, John Runyon, Chad Lewis, all you guys. You guys Hollis, made I forgot Hollis, 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 Hollis and Hugh. You guys made the post-game show that we had what it was. I mean, we I didn't know what to expect. I was still getting to know all you guys. You guys began to trust me. Word would get around the locker room that I was one of the few guys you could trust. You guys would come out faithfully, win, lose, or draw, come hell or high water, and talk to D-Gun after you spent 15, 20 minutes in the locker room answering the same questions over and over again. And it got to a point where you guys would just take the mic. It was a self-contained show. I didn't have to say anything. I mean, you uh, you guys were like camera ready, fashion ready. It was like I couldn't have asked for a better scenario. Well, listen, is it any surprise that myself, Hollis, Hugh, uh, even Donovan, Dalt to a certain degree, tried for a while, we all – D West, we all got involved in the media once we were done playing. <laughs> I know. I'm not surprised <laughs> at all. You know, I, I, I take pride in doing my homework, as you know, when I'm talking to a subject or about a situation. But one thing I didn't know, you played seven years in Philadelphia. You played an additional two down in Atlanta. You never missed a regular season game? No, no. I, I, I don't know how I overlooked that. I, did, I, I looked, I was doing my homework the other night. And I said, wait a minute, I had to check it twice. Ike Reese never missed a regular season game. How's that possible? 
God and then a stroke yeah. of luck. That's yeah. that's all it is. I, I didn't yeah. do anything special. Um, I certainly played injured at times. Uh, we all play hurt, and, and most of us play with some type of injury uh, that you have to be able to overcome. And so, you, you know what it was for me, D. Gun. Yeah. What's that? Uh, mentally, if 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 I could physically get out there, yeah, and 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 give you something and it wasn't going to hurt the team, then I was, I was playing. And, you know, being, being in the position that I was in, I didn't have time to be uh, missing games, man. Like, <laughs> listen, I, listen, you can't be no backup missing games in this league, man. So, yeah, I, you know what? I took too much pride in it's, – it's funny, right? We had so much talent on that side of the football. Right. It, 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 it was hard – to find a, a, a role on that side of the football. And so I, I was proud of the role that I was able to carve out in our defense that mm-hmm. Jim trusted me with as the nickel linebacker. After Jeremiah left, he trusted me in some, uh, some other oaky nickel linebacker defensive packages where I would do some some defensive end stuff, some line stuff. Uh, where we had a joker package. I was the first joker that we had in his defense. And so I got a small role in the great Jim Johnson's defense. And so I wasn't giving that up to anybody. You, right. you had to kill me. I was going to have to be physically unable to play in order for me to give up my little role in Jim Johnson's defense, let alone being the captain of John Harbaugh's special teams, that was my unit. Like that, like that, that ain't anybody else's unit. That's my unit. And I need to be out there on the field with my guys. And we need to know from a mental standpoint yep. that this game and winning means that we got to sacrifice our bodies sometimes. And that was just my mindset. And so many other guys had that mindset. A, we was kicking so much butt every Sunday. I wanted to be out there having fun. <laughs> I wanted to be out there having fun, making plays. And, you know, we lost so much in those first two years, d When we started winning, man, listen. We, we, we're on Monday night football, Sunday night football, man. Like the Eagles were, the, the Eagles were, I would say, probably one of the four, five top teams every year that That's you right. just That's saw right. on TV every year. That's right. And so, man, I, I wanted to be out there and be a part of that. So, I had to answer your question, there's probably times I could have missed a game somewhere. Yeah, and it was like, nah, nah, we're not missing a game. We got to go play. We got to go play. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Now, look, you only played for two teams in your career, between me and you. As fulfilling a boyhood dream, was there a team? Was there one team that Ike Reese wanted to play for that he never got the opportunity to play for in his career? Yeah, the Dolphins. Okay, uh, why the Dolphins? Yeah, the Dolphins. The Dolphins, the Dolphins actually would have been the team that I would have been the most excited about if they played. <laughs> you can't say right? that in Philadelphia. <laughs> oh no, listen, I know that. I mean, this is this is after the fact, but this 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 was prior to me coming. I, I obviously grew up in Cincinnati 
as a Bengals fan. But I yep. told you earlier how much I love Dan Marino. Right. So I was a huge Dolphin fan as well. So if the Dolphins had drafted me, Miami, Dan Marino's team, I got to admit that that would have been the team I would have been like, yes, Miami. Okay. Now, now you couldn't pay me to go to Florida, if you okay. know what I mean. Oh, I know. Well, I know what you mean. <laughs> you know, I, 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 okay, I fast forward ahead to your broadcasting career now. You've been at WIP since 2008, okay? And as you know, the radio medium, like the TV medium, is ever-changing. The, the players are constantly changing. And we've seen that across the board in sports talk radio in Philadelphia. How have you been able to survive when so many others have not? Um, good question. Um, and that's actually full-time since 2008. Started part-time in 2007. Right, fall right. Of 2007. Um, man, obviously fortunate. Uh, good people, being surrounded with good people. Uh, and really the people at WIP. Um, I, you know, you talk about people like, you know, Andy Bloom, Mark Rayfield, uh, all the people that I've worked with, uh, I've had that helped me. You know, Anthony Gargano, Glenn Magnow, Steve Martirano, uh, Rob Cherry. Um, you know, just so many people, even Angelo in the morning team, you know, when they, when they used to bring me on as a guest, um, as a player back in the days, you know, Anthony would help me uh, prepare and how to structure a show. So um, I, I, I needed all of those people who were WIP mainstays. I needed their help and their guidance and they were willing to give it to me. They didn't feel threatened by me. They were certainly, they welcomed me with open arms even before I had retired. They encouraged me to stick with it. And they, 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 they were the ones that encouraged me that I, I, I had a future in this if I wanted to. And so those were the people that once I retired, I stayed in contact with. And as the years went on, I, obviously I evolved. Uh, I continued to work at it. I took, I took constructive criticism. Uh, I wasn't afraid of change. I wasn't afraid of being challenged to host a show, having never hosted a show by myself. Um, and, and probably most importantly, or just as important as those people I just named on the inside of WIP, back from the 610 days and the AM, AM station days, is the Philadelphia fans. They, 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 the WIP listeners, um, were patient with me. Um, they were encouraging. They also offered constructive criticism. Um, even at the times when I got harsh criticism that I didn't necessarily want, um, it never discouraged me. It made me tougher. Um, and the thing I'm most proud of, D-Gun, when I think about the years and the, all the changes at WIP that I've been able to survive and be a part of, even as, as you get into the, the new age of WIP and what, what David Yageroff and David Fields and, and Spike Eskin is doing um, with, 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 the, with the station as we head into this new era and, and keeping pace with the ever-evolving social media change and how, how you listen to radio. Um, is that the, the listeners have been there from the beginning. 
and they 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 heard me at my worst, and they've been with me to encourage me to get better, and I continue to try to get better, and and um, I love doing it, man. I, I love doing it, and I never thought that I never thought that I would love doing sports talk radio as much as I have. I actually thought I would do TV, right? And and because I work with you guys, you, you know, as a player, I was doing, I did interns at Comcast, you know, while I was playing in the offseason, working with you, working with Michael B, you know, all, all the people that I've worked with, uh, Ron Burke, all the people I've worked with in this business. Uh, and Michael Barkane is my partner for five years. By the way, I, I still haven't had a partner longer than I've had a partner with Michael B when we did the Mike and Ike show. That was five years. That was five years, me and Michael B doing that and, and had a lot of fun doing that with him. So, uh, man, I, I've been fortunate, D-Gun. I've been fortunate that people like yourself, um, you know, you, you, you guys could very easily take your knowledge and your wisdom that has helped you be successful as many years as you had in this business and keep that to yourself. Or keep that to people that have come up through the field the way that you have. Because as a former athlete, I understand how the perception is guys are given opportunities as opposed to they've earned those opportunities. And even when those guys are given those opportunities, they don't necessarily take advantage of them and work as hard as they should be. And I know how that can rub people like yourself the wrong way. And I get that. And the thing that I love about the way that I've come up in this business is that it mirrors my athletic career. Nobody gave me anything, man. I, I wasn't a four or five star recruit out of Cincinnati. You know, Michigan State did me a favor by giving me a scholarship. I was some skinny kid that, that out of Cincinnati didn't have a big football background and they saw something and they convinced me that I could be a, a linebacker in Michigan State. So. I, I, but the thing was, they gave me the opportunity and I wasn't going to let them regret giving me the opportunity. So for the people that have helped me along the way, to me, my payback to them is taking advantage of it because you all have helped me get to where I am. So I hope you guys feel like you're a part of anything that I have accomplished when you see me doing anything because I've taken a little bit from everybody in this market, in this business, and applied it to, to what I try to do every day. I, I will say this. It was easy for me to help people like you, Hugh, Hugh Douglas, uh, Brian Westbrook, because so many people helped me along the way. What you just said is what I've been preaching to so many people, especially when I speak to college students. You know, don't forget to help other people who – because if somebody helps you along the way, it's your responsibility to reach back and help the next generation as well. And that's what I've always tried to do. But here's the bottom line. What you did was you took the information and you worked at your craft. There are so many former players, and I won't say any names, who think that just because of their name, they can sit down in front of a camera or in front of a radio microphone, and that's how they're going to keep a job. Oh, no. Because eventually you will get exposed. Football yeah. might be your forte, but when you do these platforms, you better know something about basketball, hockey, baseball. <laughs> and I take so much yeah. pride in the fact that I've listened to you for years and you were one of the few 
who did your homework and continue to do your homework. And that's why, to me, you have been a constant in this market of Philadelphia, and you will continue to be a constant because you don't take for granted what you have been given. What you've done is you've taken what you've been given and worked at your craft, and that's why Ike Reese is who he is today. So don't ever forget that. Always reach back and help somebody else because so many people that you just confessed to have helped you along the way. Yeah, no doubt about it, brother. And I, and I yeah. try not to forget that. I, I yep. really do. And uh, I even, when I talk to guys like, you know, our good friend, Brandon Graham, you know, oh, yes. who, who we love. Oh, yes. yep. I, I, I've been telling Brandon this for years, and I'm sure you yes. have as well. Yep. You know, so even, even when guys get drafted here and I get to know them from their time being here, and they, That's right. they know me more for doing this than they do as an actual player, I've, I've reached back to those guys, the Jason Avants, the Quentin Michaels, the Brandon Grahams, all those Sorry. guys that that were never really my teammates, but are my evil brothers. Um, I, I still try to reach back to guys even to this day. It's something that we got to do. It's something we got to continue to do. And yep. you, you know how Troy Vincent taught me that. Troy, Bobby, B-Dalt, those guys taught. Guys like myself, Jeremiah, they taught us that as young players. So we got to do that with the players that come behind us. All right. So let's get to the meat and potatoes. Now your, your former (laughs) team that you are still closely associated with your Philadelphia Eagles. And and I want to start with this individual, Howie Roseman, your guy, Howie Roseman. This guy is the only GM that has survived three head coaches. And you look at what has happened to this organization, organization, a steadily decline since they won that Super Bowl in 2017. Are you surprised that Howie is still at the helm of this organization? No, I'm not surprised. And, and the only reason I say that is, is that I I know the relationship that Howie and Jeffrey Luria has. Uh, and it's a, it's a longstanding relationship. And um, when I would have been surprised had they relieved him of his duties, maybe a little bit. Um, but we all know that you know, his track record over the last couple of years of putting the team together and being responsible with putting the team together um, and any other uh, organization was, could certainly warrant he, him being replaced. So that wouldn't necessarily be shock, be shocking if Jeffrey Lurie had gone in that direction either. I will say this, to be fair to Howie, um, I, I, I felt like this, D-Gun, it was the first bad year for the entire organization, whether it was Howie, Doug as a head coach, Carson as the quarterback. Bring everybody back. You're coming off a pandemic year. You had a short offseason. Injuries. It was an older team. Guys didn't. It, it was just a, a, a weird year. So I was more in favor of bring everybody back. That was just if you're going to keep one, keep them all. If you're going to get rid of one, get rid of everybody and go ahead and start clean. Although I would not have been in favor of getting rid of Wentz, but that's just me. That's another story. Um, (laughs) uh, So so with with them being here, I'm not completely surprised because I just know that there's a trust level there that Jeffrey Lurie has. and, And loyalty is big to Jeffrey Lurie. And if... Put it this way, if without being privy to any conversations behind the scene, if the owner sort of sets a new mandate after four, 11 and one season as to the route in which he wants to go, 
And he says, you know what? I get it. It's a tough year. I'm not going to fire X, Y, and Z. But if you're going to remain here, this is what we're going to do, and this is how it's going to be. And either you're with it or you're not. And either you decide to be with it and make the changes that the owner declares he that needs to be changed, or you decide you don't want to be a part of it and you move on. And so with Howie being here, to me that just says whatever the direction that Jeffrey Lurie wanted his organization to go in, you had better be on board with that. And, and Howie seemingly was on board with that. And that not is only with the hiring of a new coach, but that's also in what the owner is looking for in acquiring talent to improve this team. Meaning that you had better have a better draft this year. There's no doubt in my mind that Jeffrey Lurie is not happy with the way the drafts has gone over the last couple of years, the way young players have, have not been developed properly, the way you've missed on guys in the draft. So I think the misnomer is that people may think, well, Howie's here, nothing's going to change. Jeffrey Lurie's running everything. I, I don't believe that necessarily to be true, but I'm also not surprised that the owner wants to have influence on his team <laughs> where he's writing checks for everybody. And by the way, where the team has sort of underperformed yep. over the last three years. So <laughs> I, I get that as well. I say that to say D-Gun, yep. he's here, I believe, right now. It doesn't mean that's going to last forever. Okay. If, if you go back to last month, Jeff McClain wrote an article talking about the uh, inner working mechanism of the Eagles front office. And then just last week, um, you know, the athletic Zach Berman, who I had on gun on one last week, along with Shio Kapadia and Bo Wolf write this revealing article about the inner working mechanisms of this Eagles organization. And when you read both of those, you come, come away saying there's chaos at, at the Novacare complex. Did, did you get that feeling as well? No, not really. I, I, I came away thinking like, like this. Maybe that's what led to where we are right now, right? Okay. You know, if the report is true, and I don't know how much of it is true, and I'm not questioning right. um, Zach and, and those guys more or less of who's telling you the story. They're telling you the story from their point of view right. and how they perceive things to be going. So I just sure. want to keep that into perspective. Maybe that's what led them to where they are right now, to where they yeah. it went to a 4-11-1 and, and one season. And somehow Carson Wentz and, and, and seemingly uh, didn't want to be here anymore and Doug seemingly didn't want to be here anymore as the head coach and maybe they didn't like the way uh, the team had been put together and what led to it being that way. It doesn't, to me, it doesn't mean that the organization didn't recognize some of the mistakes that they made in the past that led to them being here and that they aren't going to make changes. You see what I'm saying? So yep. when I, when yep. I see, when I see that story, read it, I, I come away saying, okay, this gives me somewhat of a better understanding of what the hell has been going on the last two to three years and, right. and, and how things got to where they were and some of the stuff that was going on and some of this stuff, you know, you know, we're around the team to, right. a, to a certain degree. So you hear certain things. You know, uh, and, and that goes all the way back to the stuff that was put out there about Wentz and this and that and the other. So over the last three years, 
there's been a lot going on behind the scenes. Yep. And I would have to imagine someone as, as successful as Jeffrey Lurie has been as a businessman, you don't get to be as successful as he's been without recognizing when things have gone awry in your company or in your business, your day-to-day dealings, and you realize there needs to be a change and things yeah. need to be done differently. So if that was the case and that got them to being 4-11 and falling out of favor with the head coach and the quarterback and having to move on from those guys, hopefully they've changed those things, they've corrected those things, you're going to have more of a harmonized working environment. Uh, more importantly, you got to have trust built up amongst your scouts, your, your coaches, and your front office department when it comes to the draft and setting a draft right. board and believing in that draft board and sticking to it. Like, that, that's the biggest thing I took away from that is that maybe there was too many chefs in the kitchen, too many people cooking, and, and we need to cut that down and get fewer voices but but you obviously I do your due diligence on acquiring talent. And it, it starts with the coaching staff they brought in. Right? Hopefully they brought in the right type of coaching staff that's going to be able to develop players that are great communicators and are going to be able to get the most out of these guys by putting in, putting these players in positions that they can succeed in as opposed to putting them in positions that they can't succeed in. Okay, you look at this team right now. Just about everybody's gone from that 2017 Super Bowl run. Yeah. Your leader, your the, the bulk of your leaders on this team are 30 years or older. You have an untested quarterback, basically, and you don't have a, nu- a core nucleus of players that you can count on right now. How concerned are you about this team moving forward in the immediate future? Uh, I mean, listen, this year is going to be a tough year, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, so I don't know if it's going to be 4 11 and 1, but, um, you know, that's all going to depend on uh, how Jalen develops at the quarterback position. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're still getting to, to know what Nick Sirianni's philosophy as a coach is, the offensive philosophy, you know, what, what type of players are they going to um, have out there? I, I think. When I look at this first year, right, I thought it was important to have guys here like Fletcher, Brandon, Lane, uh, Brandon Brooks. Yeah. Um, Kelsey. You know, those type of leaders, Darius Slate, good locker room guys, good culture guys, guys that Nick Sirianni and his coaching staff are going right. to be able to lean on. Right. Right. Guys that younger guys are going to be willing to follow. Right, as opposed to questioning guys that are going to be invested in the Philadelphia Eagles. That's what we got to get back to, D Gun. Okay. Won this Super Bowl almost out of thin air. It came out of nowhere, right? It right. was the perfect right. mixture and combination of players, team chemistry, circumstances. It happened. But now they got to start over and build this thing from the ground up. And we got to get people back in here, D Gun that are going to be invested in the Philadelphia Eagles. Okay. That's been my biggest. Too many players have been invested in themselves. What can the Eagles do for me? How can I cash in on playing for the Eagles as a Super Bowl champion or a player that came in here? No. 
how many of you guys want to be Philadelphia Eagles? They right. want to be here. They want to wear their midnight green. And that's why guys like Brandon, Lane, uh, Lane Johnson, Fletcher Cox, guys like that, having those guys here are guys that are great ambassadors to usher in the new era of Philadelphia Eagles. Now, you got to get talent here. That's going to start with the draft. So we'll see how they do in the draft. But I think it first starts with who all wants to be invested in the Eagles. Go back to Andy Reid, 1999. Ray Rhodes' biggest downfall was the players that were here in my rookie year, those veterans, most of those veterans weren't invested anymore. They were invested in themselves. They were just picking up their, their, their checks every week. Andy came in and changed the culture. He made sure he weeded out the guys that wouldn't be here. Those training camps we had, you had to love playing for the Eagles to make it through those training camps. Yep. And Andy figured out who were the guys that were going to be invested. And once he figured those guys out, we took off. Mm -hmm. We took off. And you knew who those guys were. They were the guys that were here for that run. So it's easy to define those guys. And that's what we have to do right now. As the Eagles, they have to wipe the slates clean, start over, and now we got to start with building a culture that's about players and coaches that are invested in that logo, in that, in, in, in that, in that team. Because I think that's been one of the biggest issues over the last couple of years. It's been one of the biggest issues. Mm-hmm. things got tough and now we start pointing the finger at everybody yeah it's him it's him it's him as opposed to pulling together yeah and everybody being invested so i you know they got to start with that this year and, and that's where nick sirianni comes in at because andy was obviously the right coach and i'm not saying nick sirianni has to be andy Reid. obviously andy Reid's a hall of fame coach but you got to have a coach that's going to establish that culture of, man, when you come to work, when you walk into the building, it's got to mean something to you to say you play for the Philadelphia Eagles. Mm. Like, this is your squad. Yeah. And and as soon as we get back to that, we'll be all right. We'll, well, be all right. Uh, well, as we know it right now, the Eagles have 11 draft picks for the 2021 draft. Would you agree with me that this is going to be one of the more pivotal times in the history of this organization to build this thing the right way with young talent to be a new core group of guys moving forward. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's a, uh, how many picks do they have now? 20 over the next two years, Yeah, including yeah. potentially three first rounders next year. So yeah. they certainly had the ammunition to add younger, affordable talent, um, Guys who haven't necessarily been a part of a system at this level yet, they can come in and buy in all the way to being a Philadelphia Eagle. So, yeah, it's going to be critical that they hit on these guys. I, again, I, I, I don't want to constantly keep going back to 1999, but that's, that's, my, that's my recollection point. That's where I go. Because yeah. I know how bad we were before Andy took over. I know how bad we were. I know how bad the culture was to be an Eagle right. and to have to go through that and know what, how, how difficult it was that first year or so and to see how rewarding it was and what, blossom, what it blossomed into 
Jeffrey Lurie hasn't forgotten that. He hasn't yeah. forgotten that. So he knows that's what he has to do. And, and I, I believe that's what they're going to try to do. We right. just got to keep our fingers crossed <laughs> that they're going to get it done. All right. In your mind, will the Eagles stay at number 12? I have no freaking idea, man. <laughs> listen, <laughs> listen, I have, that's my honest answer. I don't yeah. know. Um, I, I certainly would. Um, but I, I don't know who they're targeting. Listen, for me, D-Gun, I want a defensive player. I yeah. want a defensive player. I would love Patrick Sertain. He, I, I've been on Patrick Sertain since the yeah. season ended. I just think he's a no-brainer pick. Uh, he's certainly a need that the Eagles have. But also, I know it's an offensive league and everybody wants to score points. But, man, even Andy as an offensive coach. Right, right. He knew where his, listen, he knew where his bread was buttered in his first few years. And right. Man, <laughs> he he knew we had to go get Corey Simon and and he knew how important Troy Vincent and Bobby Taylor and Al Harris, Jeremiah Trotter and Brian Dawkins and Hugh Douglas and Brandon Whiting. He knew how important those guys were. It's, it makes it a lot easier for a coach to win football games if you only had to score 20 points a game. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. so, so I, I say that to say, Everybody wants an offensive player, a wide receiver, right. an explosive player. I understand that. But, man, you, you can win some football games by, by keeping the opposing team's offense out of the end zone, too. So until you at least get settled on the offensive side of the ball, if the best players on the board are defensive-rated players, man, Michael Parsons. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Patrick Sertain, J, uh, JC Horn. Yeah. Like these, these are, these are good players that, that I would not have a problem with the Eagles taking. And yes, I said Michael Parsons, a linebacker. Yes. Yeah. There you go. Now, now see that led me, you, you led me to my next question. I was going to ask you, so if you're making a pick, who do you take at number 12? So, okay. You said Patrick Sertain, if he's there. So I'm going to broaden the spectrum just a little bit. Uh, you look at what the Eagles need. They need help at offensive tackle, wide receiver, edge rusher, linebacker, secondary. In chronological order, give me your top three priorities for this team. Oh, for me, I would go, I would go secondary, particularly yep. cornerback. Okay, particularly cornerback. Um, and because when the Eagles are drafting that, um, I would look at. I mean, I guess receiver, if, if one of the receivers dropped there at 12, um, that's a good value there. Offensive lineman is certainly a need. Um, yep, I, I'm yep. still not comfortable with the left tackle position. But at 12, I don't know if you get one of the top two tackles in the draft. And then and then I would go linebacker. Had they not signed Eric Wilson, uh, I would put linebacker higher. Okay. But Michael, Michael Parsons um, – is such a playmaker and the kid out of Tulsa. I can't think of his name right now. Uh, the linebacker from Tulsa. Um, they they are certainly playmakers. I'm still trying to learn what Jonathan Gannon is going to do as a defensive coordinator. I don't know how much he uses his linebacker, but re, I mean, they, they it's you can almost throw a, a dart at a board. The only positions the Eagles don't have a need for is. Kicker, punter, yeah. 
safety, uh, D tackle, tight end, and then quarterback. I waited on the quarterback only because <laughs> only because the Eagles with the Eagles, you never know with them. Man. You never know. <laughs> All right, I got a few more questions for you because I know you got to get to work and, and bring that Ike juice to yeah. the 94 WIP. So two questions in one. I'm going to, uh, in a broader spectrum, number one, what are your thoughts on the players deciding, not everybody, but a lot of players deciding to opt out of the voluntary workout situation um, because it's going to cost some players some bonus money. And how do you think that affects a team, especially a team like the Philadelphia Eagles? And it's about seven or eight teams in this situation where you have all new coaching staffs and you're going to be behind the eight ball, aren't you, in terms of trying to get your team up to speed? Yeah, I don't like it. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I don't like it. Um, I think they're important. Now, obviously, the NFLPA um, has its reasons as to why they're doing it. And I'm a union guy, so I understand what it means to stick with your union. And you want to come together and, 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 and make the, the chain as strong as you can by getting as many people to link in arms together. Um, I'm just looking at it purely as a football fan. And I'm looking at my football team situation with a new head coach, with a young quarterback that's trying to earn uh, the starting job. Yeah. Um, they're going to have a new offense, a new defense. Uh, we, we, we are lacking continuity right now. Yeah. So the Philadelphia Eagles, in my opinion, would benefit from being able to get on the field as much as you can as a team, with their coaches, they're already limited as to what they can do based on the way the CBA is set up uh, to basically just throw out all the OTAs this offseason. I just, I don't like it for the Philadelphia Eagles in their situation. For maybe a team that's veteran-laden, yeah. that's bringing back the same coaching staff, I can understand where they may not be as affected by it. But I just don't see how this makes the Philadelphia Eagles a better team. <laughs> so when, yeah. when, when I look at it from that standpoint, I'm like, no, I want my guys to be working out <laughs> together as much as they can. I want to get I want to get Nick Sirianni and, and Jonathan Gannon on the field with their units as soon as possible, coaching these guys up, developing these guys so they understand what's expected of them from these new schemes. So, yeah, as – the former player in me, it may not sound like, like, what is he talking about? I'm like, no. Yeah, it, it's it's beneficial to work out with your coaches and 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 to be coached in the offseason. As long as it's obviously the timing yep. isn't abused by coaches and you're not trying to keep players all day, as long as you can agree on the allotted time frame, man. I, I yeah. want to be coached up by my coach. Why wouldn't I? Why, why wouldn't I want to be coached up by my coach? <laughs> I want to know exactly what he's expecting from me so there is no guessing. All right. Now, in, in the broader scheme of things, the NFLPA, under the new collective bargaining agreement, conceded to allow the owners to add an additional game to the schedule. Okay, and the owners jumped on that real quick for 2021. <laughs> you will play a 17th game, and you already saw across social media Peter, players grumbling about playing a 17th regular season game now, even though the preseason games will be cut in half. Is adding that 17th game a good thing or bad thing for players? Well, <laughs> 
long term, I mean, long picture look probably a bad thing, obviously. Right. Right. But I mean, the players voted on it, so yep. the majority of them agreed to it. Um, I'm imagining there are some financial benefits to this, yep. particularly to the quarterbacks. Right, yeah, right, everything revolves around those guys, the quarterbacks. So this has to be a benefit to those guys because they get to play longer. So they're going to get the lion's share of this extra money that the owners were willing to give back to the players for the extra game. See, there's only so many players that are going to benefit from having a 17 game, and even the window that they are benefiting from it is right. a small window. It's right. a three and a half year window where they get to benefit from it. So I, I guess as long as financially they've gotten some compensation, I don't know the particulars of everything the players receive in return for giving the owners the seven game. What I would hope as a former player is they made sure that those owners fattened the pension plan, yeah. the 401k plans, all those things that you're going to need when you're finished playing. Defer that money. Put it in some annuities, like make the owners put the money away for you for your retirement. So I hope the players were smart enough to make sure they took care of themselves for after the game is over with. Because those quarterbacks financially are going to be able to take care of themselves. It's the guys like the Ike Reese's and, yeah. and, and the guys that are going to get squeezed out of making big money that need to make sure that at least your benefits are taken care of. And then I'll give it to you from a fan point of view, this fan's point of, point of view. Man, I don't care if they play 18 games, D-Gun. I agree. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> more, even though, more, hey, look, even though they can't keep, even though they can't keep players healthy in a 16-game format, I don't care if they bring players in from the CFL, the Arena League, as yes. long as I'm watching some football, man. <laughs> That's all I care about, D-Gun. <laughs> I'm listen. I'm already listen. I've already given my body to the game. I don't have to worry about it anymore. Yeah, I'm, I'm out. I'm out. All right, all right. Final question to you because I know you're short on time and I appreciate the time you've given me. You have become such a media mogul in the Philadelphia region <laughs> that you have your own music jingle now, Ike Juice. <laughs> I mean, I listen to this every, every week and I'm thinking – this man, I've been in the business over 40 years. I never had my own jingle. He got his own jingle, Ike Juice. How did that come about? Oh, man. So, listen, one of my former producers, Ben Livingston, yeah. um, one day one day I was I was ranting about the Eagles. It was in the preseason. It was, it was before the season started. So, I was ranting about something. <laughs> and, and it probably had something to do with Carson Wentz. So, the, the, the next thing you know, at the end of whatever I said, I said, they must have been drinking that Ike juice. And all of a sudden, my producer, see, they, they have trained ears. Yep. So he just cut the clip of they must have been drinking that Ike juice. Uh -huh. And he decided to put a jingle or music under the bed of me saying that. And so he came on the air the next day and played it. I had no idea he was playing it and played it. Here's the funny thing. I didn't even like it. It took me like a <laughs> month. It took me, it took me, listen, D-Gun, no lie. It took me at least a month or so to even embrace it. And I still didn't like it. 
So it, it wasn't until the fans really took over it, the listeners took over it. And so now it's out of my control. It's like, it's like yeah, it don't even matter. Like, it don't matter what I like. Yeah. It's, it's, it's out of my control. So, yeah, it wasn't – I got to give all the credit to my um, – my former producer Ben Livingston, he he yeah. he he created it. He forced it on me, <laughs> and even when I was telling him, like, "All right, dude, that's enough." Yeah, like we don't need it anymore. <laughs> he kept playing it, and the fans, the listeners, wouldn't let it go. So it's there. It's well, like it's like it's like the whole LTBB let the Bronco Buck thing. Yeah, I, yeah. That I I mean the the the, the Eagles fans took over that too. <laughs> I, I, they took over that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I will. I will say this: Ike brings the juice every day, Monday through <laughs> Friday. And from this fan's perspective, because I'm a big fan of Ike Reese, and I would advise each and everybody out there listening today on this podcast: check out Marks and Reese Monday through Friday, two to six p.m. ninety-four WIP and follow Ike on all his social media platforms. I mean, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, he's all over the place. The one, the only, Ike Reese. Man, I love you like family. Thank you for taking the time to spend some time with me on Gun on One, the podcast, my brother. You got me smiling, big bro. Thank you, man. Thank you. Anytime, man. Much, all right. Well, you, you shouldn't say that because, you know, I'm going to be calling you back again. So <laughs> you can't dodge me now. You, there's no more dodging me now. So That's right. All right. That's right. All right, all right, take it easy, brother. Yeah, all right, that's going to wrap up this edition of Gun on One, the podcast brought to you by Patterson Square Garden. Thank you guys so much for listening. And as I tell you each and every week, uh, when you're out there, stay blessed. But more importantly, be a blessing to each and everybody you encounter. Until next time, so long, everybody. of D-Gun Enterprises in Patterson Square Garden. Elvin Shabazian and Wes Pendleton are the executive producers on behalf of Patterson Square Garden. Lead producer is Derek Gunn. Associate producer is John McNeil. Sound design, mixing, and mastering by Elvin Shabazian. Original music by Weatherman. For more information about the podcast, visit gunonone.com. And please, don't forget to subscribe and give us a positive rating if you're feeling the show. Thank you. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, 
planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.